Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hi, everybody. And welcome, to, and welcome <laughs> to a very chilly uh, episode of the Opera Trash podcast. I am Krista. And I'm freezing. <laughs> I'm Anna. I'm not too cold, but holy trouble nuggets. Yeah, it is. Well, right now, here in here in uh, here in Ohio, where I am, it is 35 degrees. That's 33 in, in Western Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I am lucky, though. I live on the top floor of an apartment building. And the vast majority of my neighbors are older, like middle-aged to elderly. Mm-hmm. So I have, in the 11 years that I've been here, I have not had to turn the radiators on once. Hey. Nice. Heat rises, bitches. Yep. You got some cold-ass motherfuckers in your apartment building and you don't have to turn on heat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It does have the effect of turning the apartment into a sauna at times, but I mean, I'd rather be too hot than too cold. Yeah. Like, when I lived at Grandma's house, she used to have, she, uh, when I was younger, had a coal-burning furnace. And that thing, in the wintertime, in the middle of December, I remember wearing shorts. It was like 11,000 degrees in the house. It could be 20 degrees outside, it would be 11,000 degrees in the house because of the coal-burning furnace. It was nice. <laughs> and, then of course, no. and then of course it had to die on us. You know, just the, just from from being so old it just wore out. So we switched to gas. And it wasn't that it wasn't bad. Like except for the except for the time that we had that I think it was two thousand eleven or twelve and we had that polar vortex. Oh god. And yeah, and it cut the electricity. The electricity went out. And of course, that's what was uh, powering the the uh, furnace. So I was fucking freezing. It was like fifty some degrees. It was like like oh newie. Yeah, because I got up to go to the bathroom. I woke up and it was like God, it's cold in here. And I I look and. There's no electricity on. I don't hear. I don't hear the refrigerator. Yeah, nothing. And I'm like, oh my god, it's like fucking freezing out here. And I didn't even see the thermostat was on. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't 
there was nothing. So I crawled back to the bed. Yeah, put put uh, put some sweatpants on, craw crawled into bed, and uh, went back to sleep. Finally, thankfully, the uh, the roar of the uh, the um, furnace coming back on woke me up. Uh, and it's like it took like a good hour to warm the house up. But and that was the that was the year that it was so cold that our water tank that the water uh, yeah, it was water tank that was water pump it froze and cracked. We had to get the water pump fixed. That we had to get replaced. Who knows? Yeah. So. But it's not that cold, Jack. It's supposed to get. It's supposed to have, I think, um, according to the uh, Farmers Almanac, we're supposed to get a good snow this winter. I hope because I'm sick of I'm sick of like half the winter being green. I am. I'm sick of the winter being half being green half the time. I want a good I want good snow on my birthday. I haven't had a good snow in my birthday in years. So, mm -hmm. fingers crossed. But anyway, um, first of all, I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to talk about, uh, something I just watched. And I, I talked about it, uh, last week. It was, uh, Jonas's concert that he wrote, that he, his recital concert in Geneva. They recorded it. Monday and it was just on, it was just on like an hour ago and oh my God, it was wonderful. It, it was like one of those, it was like a mini, like it was like a lot of the songs that he sang were songs that he sang on his U S tour. Half of it was list and half of it was like stuff from the last, his last album is in English. And, uh, and, um, Bless you, and and I, I you know, whatever. Um. <laughs> um anyway, um, uh, it it was just it was just gorgeous. He, he sounds amazing. He does absolutely sounds amazing. And it was it was in this it was within the U.S. the Palais de Nations, which is the U.N. headquarters in Geneva. And it was in this gorgeous room. Like the ceiling is like this weird glass kind of sculpture, multicolor glass kind of sculpture thing. And they were, and they had these two screens <clears throat> on each side of the stage. And it was like showing the, the, uh, the ceiling like as the the camera was slowly panning and uh and so at certain angles while Jonas was singing they would they would hit him they would show him at certain angles and it would look like hey, like the stage was moving because of that damn screen <laughs> it oh was, shit it was a trap i'm like is this a stage moving is he moving is what is this but, but he he did. He sang. He didn't sing my favorite list song, which is uh, "Es muss ein wunderbarer sein," 
He didn't sing that. He uh, he did sing um, he did sing uh, Liebestorm number three. He sang he sang this he sang the other version of Frightful and Delightful that's on his album. Um, and uh, he sang, of course, he sang the vegan lead, which is the Brahms lullaby. And, uh, and, but he did, oh, he, and he did not sing the Lorelei. I was, I was hoping he would sing the Lorelei, but he didn't do that. Uh, I love, I love his version of the Lorelei. Um, and then for an encore, because it only lasted 45 minutes. But then for an encore, he sang a, a, uh, a piano version of Pourquoi Revier. The fart. Farter! 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 <laughs> there is no chance in hell that we will ever be serious on this podcast. Oh, hell no. 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 <laughs> oh, by the way, um, I told my mentor, Rachel, about the podcast. Oh so, shit! So, um, <laughs> <And> my apologies. <laughs> oh no, she knows. I told her. I said. I said. I said we swear a lot. We 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 uh, BS a lot, and, and then we talk about opera. Inappropriate body parts discussed. <laughs> oh yeah. No, she's she's. I think she'd be. I think she's cool with that. So. <laughs> So, if you're listening, Rachel, hello, and thank you for listening. <laughs> Hi, thank you for listening. Uh, my apologies. <laughs> um, yeah, we we were talking about um, we 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 kid the we we pick on on like the one mentor in my bubble, and uh, and I said <laughs> was something something I said about the one day I said um. I'm semi semi famous because of my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I'm like, people in my office know that I do the podcast, but only like maybe one or two coworkers that I'm friends with yeah. have been told what the name of it is. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I, my supervisor, while she is cool as hell, mm-hmm. and I absolutely love the, the supervisors and higher ups where I work. Mm. I don't want them hearing me make dick jokes. <laughs> so, well, Rachel, that's just me, though. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, though, once I'm out of the bubble, Rachel won't be uh, like my team lead or my supervisor. Oh. So, so I'm cool with her hearing hearing about hearing the dick jokes and everything. <laughs> I am. I'm cool with that. Um, my other coworkers, the other people in my bubble. They can listen to that all they want. I don't. I don't think. I don't think any of them would be interested in listening to this, but to the to the podcast. But that's okay. Um. Oh, and you know what? I forgot to tell everybody last week. I forgot to tell them the dead borrower story. Oh. <laughs> Damn. Well, you know, let's let's do it now. Considering this episode has all the dead in it. Yeah, there's death in this in this in this this week's opera. So. There's death in that Thor opera. (laughs) Okay. So it was my, it was my first full week of, 
um, I have, I had three and a half, I have three and a half weeks of bubble training, of training training, you know, like learning this, learning everything. And then I have three and a half weeks of what's called bubble training, which is, you know, hands-on stuff. You know, the, I have, you know, mentors who coach, who coach and give, you know, give constructive criticism and, and give me, you know, pointers on what I can do better. And then we, and then we do like, uh, a little more in-depth talk about the different subjects that we went over in training. Uh, so, um, so my first week, and this is the first, and my first week was when we started doing, really started doing um, the live calls. And I, I, I know now that I was just rushing through things because I was so anxious about just getting off the calls. Okay. I was rushing through things. And my biggest, the biggest, uh, mistake that I was making is when I was signing people up for what's called an income driven, uh, income driven repayment plan for their loans. Um, when they're trying to what's called recertify or, or uh, renew their plan, uh, you're not supposed to put, you're not supposed to put a, a suspension on their account because it's back to back. Um, that's a no, no. Um, so you're supposed to find other, other means to, to, like, you know, to, uh, stop their payments from happening so they can get their document, their proof of income and everything in. Um, but that's what I was doing. I kept putting that on there and putting that on there. So I, so like, this is, so like most of it, like last week and part of this week, I was getting, you know, like what are called QCs, qu uh, uh, um, quality corrections. I had to go back and correct the, um, correct them. So Friday, I get this one QC. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. And it's from a call I have Monday. Okay. So, and I remember the call because the lady had, because the lady had been sick. She had, she was still sick with COVID. She had had it for three weeks and, uh, she'd been in the hospital in fact for three days with it. Couldn't breathe. And she was recovering at home. <clears throat> so I helped her with the certification. So I call on Friday. I had to, one of the, part of the correction was I had to call back and try to get her, try to get her account current or do something. And I had all these little notes that I had that I, you know, what I could do for her. And she didn't have very much, she didn't have very many options except for, uh, like 
a direct consolidation of her loans as a last resort. So I was like, oh God, now I'm going to have to explain this to her. Da, da, da. So I call her and instead of the lady answering, it was a guy that answered. I said, oh, I said, um, who am I, you know, may I speak to Cindy? May I speak to Cindy? And he said, oh, Oops. Uh, she, he's, oh, uh, she died. I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I am so sorry for your loss. And I, you know, kind of stumbled around and, you know, eventually we ended the call. And I get off the phone and I go to the chat that I'm in, you know, my bubble chat. And I said, oh my, I direct, I direct message Rachel, my mentor. And I said, oh my God, Rachel, she died. Oh shit, son. <laughs> Rachel, the borrower died in that, in that, in that space of a few days between Monday and Friday, she had died. Oh my God. I felt so horrible and I could not, I did. It's like, to this day now, I'm like, Lily, who is it? Oh, and then Rachel goes, cause she didn't have any forbearance time left. The lady didn't. <coughs> she goes, well, she has four, she has plenty of forbearance time in heaven now. Oh shit! <laughs> like I literally just put my head in my t-shirt at that. Oh, good god! <laughs> that is so wrong, <laughs> and I should not be laughing. <laughs> See, you know, sometimes it's, it's moments like that that make me question whether or not you making me an honorary Jew will be enough to protect me from hell. <laughs> Oh God! It was because humor. sometimes I doubt it. It was gallows humor the rest of the day. I swear it was. I was telling everybody, like, like every time, like, oh, like, what was it? Our my bubble supervisor, Demir. I he gets on. He gets, oh my God! Yeah, he gets on the chat later in the afternoon. And I go, Demir, one of my borrowers died. <laughs> he goes. He goes, he goes, you're not supposed to kill the customers. That's bad customer service. Oh my God. <laughs> so Monday I had to do it. So Monday, this past Monday, I had to do another QC. And I said, and Rachel goes, I hope they're alive and well this time. <laughs> Thankfully, she was. She was. Oh, my God. The next one was. <laughs> oh. Oh, shoot. Oh, my gosh. That that that's the that's the life of a student loan service advisor. <laughs> come work, come work with me. You can. It, it, it's a remote job, but you, you, 
you'll you'll you won't have you won't be uh you won't be uh for want of a boring of of interesting stories. <laughs> you'll you'll find at least one every day. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, oh, this is, this is, I, I do, I do like my job though, because, uh, at least once a day I get somebody who says, you know, when I, when, when they call in they're they're looking for, you know, help on their, on their loans. And when you can, when you can help them restrain, you know, re repay, you know, with a repayment plan or whatever, and, and you hear the relief in their voice. And you're, they're like, oh, thank you. You know, you don't know how much this means to me. That, you know, that you helped me. That, that makes me feel really good. I had a lady who said that I, she said, you're a sweetheart. She said, you have exceptional customer service. You didn't kill that one, did you? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. I did not kill that one. <laughs> well, one of my coworkers had uh, a lady who had been who had, had a co-maker account with her husband and in the middle of talking about this uh, this account she just casually puts it out there that her husband died in the summer just casual just real casual oh shit and you know, not like oh my god my husband died and yeah it, but it's but she just acted like it was just acted like it was real, like it was nothing, you know. Like, and, she, and and Mandy, my coworker, said it makes me think that maybe she killed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he died. Can we talk about the account now? <laughs> That's the way she acted. Like, can we talk about the account? either that or she's just fucking sick of talking about it? Which you know can't quite blame her. Oh yeah. But oh my god! No. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> it, it was it was hilarious. And we pick on the one bubble mentor, my one bubble mentor, Austin, so much. <laughs> hilarious, because he it, it's just it's hilarious. He's, he it, it, and he picks right back at you. I, I I say God, I like what he he puts in bold letters, like huge letters in the chat. Time to go to break. And I say, good Lord, Austin, would you quit yelling at us? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's, he's a Nebraska Huskers fan. I hate the Huskers. I hate college football, to be honest. I'm not a big college football fan. But, you know. There, uh, there, there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, Huskers fans in the in my in my bubble. But anyway, that is my job. By the way, I work at Nelnet, which is like I said, a public. Like, if if you have if you have student loans, you might have heard of them. They might be your servicer. Um, you know, if you have a tr if you have a problem, one of these, you know, and you have to call in, you you may get me on the phone. You never know. Um, so. Be nice. <laughs> be nice to be nice to the people in customer service. Anna and I can tell you that. Yeah, was, yeah. Please be nice to them. They work. They're they're trying very hard to help you. It's not their fault that you have these problems. 
Like, like yesterday I had... We've got our own set of rules that we have to follow. Yeah. And, and I, I would like to say one thing, though. I cannot stress enough how much we don't give a shit about you not liking our rules. Yeah. Dems the rules. You want to play in our sandbox, you have to follow them. Yeah. Like, there are no, there are no words in any language to express how many fucks we don't give if you don't like having to fax something. Seriously. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like, a lot of people are like, well, why can't <coughs> you can you can fill out the stuff on your Nelnet account or you can go on studentday.gov. That people don't want to go on studentday.gov. Oh, that's the government. I don't want to do that. Okay, well, your loan will your loans eventually you like when you apply for your for federal student aid that it, the word is federal student aid okay and your loans are through even though they're they like i i deal right now with the older loans the commercial loans but i will eventually be dealing with the fed with the you know department of education loans the federal the fed loans so too bad if you don't want to deal with the government. You got your money from the government, and you're gonna to have to pay it back. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. So, um, and we do have, and like Anna said, we have rules that we have to follow. And you know, we're sorry that that you don't like the rules that we have to follow, and the rules. And admittedly, that, sometimes the rules do kind of suck. Yeah, but there are reasons for them. Yes. So please be please understand that those are the rules, okay? But uh, yeah, you know, and we're like like I said, we're trying very hard to help you. You know, like I, 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 I had to. I did. I misspoke yesterday on a call, and I, I right away, I took it. I took uh, responsibility. I, I, I took accountability for for what I had said, and I apologized to the guy. And uh, but that's what. But that's part of, you know, being, you know, in customer service. You have, if you make a mistake, you have to own up to it. Um, but uh, I, you know, you have to, I mean, it, it's not easy, you know, when you're get when some people call in and they're, they're unhappy and they're, and even with you helping them, they're still unhappy. It's not our fault. You know, yeah. So, you know, be patient with us. Be be you know, be nice to us. Be try to be polite. We're trying to be professional with you. So yeah, you know, just just exercise some patience and some understanding. And we get it. Yeah, and we, we get, get it. it. Shit sucks right now. Yeah. But that doesn't give you the right to, you know, take it out on us. If yeah. we're not allowed to take it out on you, you're not allowed to take it out on us. Yeah. Yeah. We we have, so we, I mean, <clears throat> we have similar jobs. She's in healthcare. She's in healthcare and I'm in uh, student loans. But we know, but, you know, we have enough common ground between us that we know what it's going, you know, we know what it's like. We, we have almost, we have similar even have similar uh, computer systems that we have to use. Yes. So we know how <laughs> we know how that shit works too. <laughs> so um, 
but yeah, that that's a that's a PSA from both of us. Please be nice. Please, you know, exercise some patience and understanding with your customer service agents if you ever have to call in someplace. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games games released each week. You can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus. Because, you know, they're trying to help you. It's not that they're trying to make your life harder. They're trying to help you. Go in with that mm-hmm. with that with that mindset <clears throat> and things might go easier for you. All right. So after, so now that I've told you about dead borrowers and we've talked about our jobs, um, we're going to dedicate today's episode uh, to the late great Dean Stockwell. This, this one hurt. Yes, this one fucking hurt. It did. It- my mother had, bless her, raised me the same way my grandparents raised her, which was no censorship. Essentially, they used to take my mom and her two younger brothers to what would be considered very inappropriate movies for small children because they didn't want to get a babysitter. Bless them. And they were like, eh, well, they're with us. No one can complain. And as a toddler, mom let me watch Quantum Leap. (laughs) Uh So Admiral Al Calavisi was a big part of my childhood. Uh (laughs) And just this, this Fucking hurt. This yeah. really fucking hurt. Yeah. So, um, and one of the things that Dean's, <coughs> excuse me, one of the things that Dean Stockwell's known for, oh my god, I need a drink. Who knows? Um, this, <coughs> this episode of the of the Alcatraz podcast is brought to you by Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, every 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 one of them should be, but <clears throat> this one especially. Um, I remember watching Gentleman's <clears throat> Gentleman's Agreement, and I saw him. I think he. I think he was younger. I think he was a young boy in that one. Yeah, um, he was a little. He started out as a child actor. Yeah, but then one of the early movies he was in was in the movie Compulsion which was which was a fictionalized account of the Leopold and Loeb murders, murder and uh, the Leopold and Loeb uh, case I should say and uh, <clears throat> the interesting thing about that is uh, I do which one of them was still alive. Who was still alive when that came out? I can't remember. Um, let me take a look here. 
I can't remember which. One of them got shanked in prison. Yeah. I want to say it was Leopold that got shanked in prison, but I'm not positive. I can't remember. Let's see here. Nope, I take it back. It was Richard Loeb that got shanked in prison. Okay. So, um, the guy who wrote Compulsion, the book. Oh my god, Leopold had a unibrow. <laughs> Seriously, go on the Wikipedia page for Leopold and Loeb. There is a unibrow. <clears throat> I saw that. Oh my god. I saw that. Um, so when oh, the guy who wrote the novel Compulsion, when he started uh, writing it, he wanted to go interview uh, Leopold for it. And Leopold's like, no, you know, the, I'm not, you know, we're not doing this. So the guy wrote the novel anyway. And Leopold got mad at him. He said, this is, this is, you know, you're sensationalizing my life and blah, blah, blah. And then oh, no he, shit, you wouldn't let him do the accurate version, you dumbass. Yeah. So then when the movie came out, he tried to sue them. He tried to sue to get the movie not to, to make so that the movie wouldn't be released and he lost. Well, excuse me. Because you. fuck you, that's why. Yeah. Um but uh Yeah, he yeah, it, it so if you want something Outside of Quantum Leap, I'd say that was the best thing. That, he, that was, like, one of the best things he did was Compulsion. Um, also, Married to the Mob. He got nominated for an Academy Award for that. Oh, okay. Um, also, bonus Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, if you can bring yourself to sit through a David Lynch movie, Blue Velvet. Uh, oh, oh! Blue you will Velvet. probably never hear um, Roy Orbison the same way again, but yeah. Ugh. But it, it's worth it. It's worth it for Dean Stockwell hamming it up and lip syncing to "In Dreams." <laughs> oh yeah. Mm. So just um, because he fucking could. Yeah. So that is our. So that's our. Um, episode dedication is to Dean Talkwell. May his memory be for a blessing. The fun, the fun definitely will begin. Yes. That was, according to Scott Bakula, he used to walk onto the set of Quantum Leap with a cigar in his mouth and say the fun has arrived or something to that effect. <laughs> oh, you know he went, oh, you know he went, he walked into heaven with a cigar in his mouth and said the fun has arrived. <laughs> yes. You know he did. Oh, you absolutely know he did. Uh, so because he could. Oh yeah. So there's our dedication. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, for for that ep for what our episode a, today. But we're what also a dedicating. Genius. Yes, but we're also dedicating our episode to Britney Spears, who is finally free, motherfuckers. Yeah, she is. Free. The conservatorship has been suspended as it. Fucking should have been. Her conservatorship, that conservatorship is done. Absolutely 100%. Fuck yeah. Fuck her father. Oh my god. You know, if, you know, fuck
fuck her mom, too, because I'm inclined to believe her when she says that the conservatorship was her mom's idea. Oh, There's just yeah. something just never seemed right to me. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. It just reminds me of, like, so many of those child actors who say that their parents um, never saved their money. How they thought that their money was being saved for them. And it was that actually their parents were, were spending it. I mean, shit, look at how, I mean, shit. That's why um, there was that law. Oh, what's his name? Jackie Cooper? The OG Uncle Fester. Jack, yeah, what Jackie he was, Coogan? Huh? Jack, was it Jackie Coogan or Jackie Cooper? Coogan or Cooper, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Okay, come on, Wikipedia. But it was one of the two. And I know it was the guy that was Uncle Fester. Mm-hmm. The original Uncle Fester. Um, uh, Jackie Coogan. Okay. Yeah. I knew... Yeah, that was him. His was the one that... Um, yep, yeah, he was the one that the California Child Actors Bill mm-hmm. was um, enacted for. Because his mom and stepfather spent all his fucking money. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what happened to a lot of the child actors before, you know, before, when you know, him and all those older, all those ones from the older, from uh, years ago, that, that they, you know, they were destitute. They, you know, they grew up, they grew out of the system and they, and they had no money because of that. And they had to keep working because of the, because they, they had nothing else. So, but, uh, she couldn't even, Brittany could not work without. She couldn't permission. even drive. No, she couldn't even drive. And she couldn't get married. She's, she's engaged to, to who, a guy who seems like wonderful and she couldn't get married to him. Well, she can now. Yeah. She can now, but, um, yeah, she wasn't allowed to get married to him. And, and, and I believe when you, when you are in a conservatorship, you are not allowed to vote. Holy shit. Like she said she wanted to have another kid and they wouldn't even let her get pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. That's how strict conservatorships are. And her story about how bad her conservatorship was, it's put a, it's put a big spotlight on conservatorships within the disability community because there, there are horror stories, you know, people who, who maybe have had a bad time like she did, you know, with her mental health, but instead of it being temporary, it's gone on for years, you know? Yeah. And 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 that's no, no, fuck no, no. And it's been, and it's, and those kind of things where it goes on for years and, and you, you know, I'm honest, I'm honestly fucking surprised that Will Wheaton's parents didn't try to pull that bullshit on him knowing what we know about them now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, ugh. God. Well, she is free. Thank God. Yes. Hallelujah. Brittany is free. 
Praise the Lord. Yes. Mm-hmm. Praise ceiling cat. Oh. <laughs> Hail ceiling cat. So, um, so those are our two dedications for our. It's like when she gets heavy, always mentions ceiling cat. Yes. So those are our two dedications, and uh, I wish we wish Brittany all the luck in the world and all the all the, yes all the joy in the world that she can that she can get. She deserves it. After all she's yes. been through, after all she's been through, she deserves this. Um, she deserves happy. Yes, she does. Yes. So um, let's get on to some news. Um, the first thing, I, the first thing I want to mention is the Met is going to have is going to have a new production of the Ring Cycle, starting in twenty twenty five. It's going to be a different uh, direct. This time, it's going to be different. It's not going to be the Robert Lepage version. Um, ah, a new chance for everybody to experience Dust Deadly Shaft. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> so this this uh, this this production will be by uh, Richard Jones uh, instead of Robert Lepage. Um, now this is uh, let's see. This is uh, Jones's new production of Devolker will premiere at the English National Opera in 20... Uh, in, it, it, it's going to premiere next Friday. And um, they're, they're going to present the Ring Cycles, four, four individual operas over five se- seasons, ending in 2025. Um, and it's good. And the Mets is going to start in 2025, and it will produce full cycles by the end of the 2026-27 season. Um, yeah. Yeah. Peter Kelb declined to reveal more information about the cast when Jones' production reaches the Met, except for the fact that Lisa Davidson will sing Zeling, uh, Zieglinda. Now, if you remember, um, Lisa Davidson, she sang uh, Zieglinda in that concert version of Act One with Jonas, and she was wonderful. So, um, and, and the full cycle will be conducted by our Quebecois cinnamon roll, Yanni. Yes. Yes. It will be conducted by our Quebecois cinnamon roll. Um, so, our precious, precious cinnamon roll. Yes. Um, so, he, yeah, he's good. I, I think, and I do believe that it will be, I because I've never seen him uh, conduct it before, this will be his the first time he's conducted this. He's conducted any, any part of the ring cycle. Baby's first ring cycle. Yes, yes. So toy, toy, toy to him when it comes up. You know, in in a couple years when that happens. Oh my gosh! Yay, baby's yes. first ring cycle. Yay! Uh, so you know, so I'm 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 looking forward to this. I've I've seen different versions of the ring cycle, uh, different productions. My favorite, though, hands down, is the Robert Lepage version, but because of all the, uh, the valsing incest. Well, the valsing incest, the valsing incest, yes, but also <laughs> the uh, the that different... ride of the Valkyries is fucking gorgeous. Oh, I love that. Yes, I don't know if anything can 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 top that. I honestly, don't I know. still love how when you listen to the when you watch the clip of it. Mm-hmm. Like, everything is quiet until that first... Like, they're usually very quiet at the Met. 
even when it's a very well-known, beloved aria. Mm-hmm. But the minute that first note of Ride of the Valkyrie starts, the place fucking explodes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they know what's coming, and it's, oh, yeah. and they have been waiting for this their entire lives. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. You don't get that. I haven't seen that in other productions. Yeah. I have not seen that in other productions. Um, but yeah, the, I, I'm I'm biased. I love that production. I love the... Uh, that that the was gorgeous. I love that production of the Brain Cycle. So I'm, I'm curious as to what this, what the Richard Jones production is going to look like. So, so I'm anxious. So I have three years to wait. So we, you know, we have three years to wait for that. Um, oh, no, we, yeah. So here's another bit of news. And this is really good news. I, I, we're, we're really thrilled about this. Yes. And this also has to do with the Met. Peter Kelb has confirmed that Angel Blue will sing Aida at the Met. Uh, Yay! Yep. It says, regarding the new production, which was set to open during the 2021 season, the past season, but was canceled due to the pandemic, he said, that is, that's a big deal. It will be somewhat controversial when we put on a new production because it's a very opulent production that old-time opera fans love. I've learned my lessons about operatic opulence when it comes to the classics. He added that, oh. yeah, <laughs> he added that he's also looking forward to seeing Ryan Speedo Green's upcoming roles. And said, that oh, yes. he, yeah, said that he will be a major Met star. So Angel Blue, if you've heard that name, you've probably heard that name before. And we'll talk about her coming up in a few weeks. Because we're going to talk about Porgy and Bess. Because she was best in that. Um, and she recently started, she recently starred in Fire Shut Up On My Bones. Um, and this season, she is set to star in the Paris Opera version of Faust. And also uh, the uh, the BSO's La Boheme. So I'm going to guess she's going to be Mimi. Um, she'll probably be a really good... She'll be a really good Mimi compared to like... To, Certain other folks. Yeah. Yeah. That we won't mention. Who <coughs> will remain invisible. Yes. Yes. They shall remain invisible. Hee hee hee. So uh, another is that uh, the other night... I saw this on Facebook and I, I got real curious about it. It's something called the Dead, it's something called Dead Diva Society. And it's a production by uh, a, an organization called the Valkyrie Ensemble. It's like a it's like an opera group. And what it is, it's like a it's like the seven divas from different operas. They come back to life. It's uh Carmen um, Gilda, Gilda from uh, Rigoletto, Violetta from La, from uh, Traviata. How long does it take her to come back to life? I don't know. <laughs> I don't... Like they're saying, they're poking her with a fucking stick. Wake the fuck up, Violetta! You missed your cue. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh 
God, I love that. <laughs> oh my God. <clears throat> anyway, um, where was I? It was, it was Carmen, Violetta, uh, Gilda, Tosca, um, and uh, Juliet from uh, Romeo and Juliet. And let me see who else it is. <clears throat> uh, let me see. Oh, come on, open it. Let's see. So it, it, and, and it's, it's like, it's like this, this, um, support group. They, they have it like it's a support group, like an online support group. And, um, it is, let's see here. Oh, it, it's, oh, okay. It's, I don't want to, I don't want to start. So, uh. It's Violetta from Boheme, uh, Juliet, Carmen, Gilda, and Lucia from Lucia de Lamas. Yeah. yeah. This is Violetta, Mimi, Juliet, Carmen, Gilda, Lucia, and Tom back from the dead for an encore. Join these seven dead divas of the operatic canon as they reflect on their untimely demises in group therapy, led by their wise and witty therapist, the one and only Despina from Cosi Fantuti. Oh, that bitch! <laughs> I don't think you understate how much we hate Cosi Fantuti. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Sorry, I mean, we hate it. We, we fucking hate that. God. Sorry, not fucking sorry. Yeah, not fucking sorry at all. Oh my god. Wait, what is this? I, I'm just looking at the side. Like the recommended here. It says Giuseppe Verdi. La Traviata. And then it says Placido Domingo Conductor. Yeah, no! Yeah, let's, let's avoid that. Let's not. That, no, let's 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 no, no, let's don't. Yeah. So, um, so Dead Diva Society. That that's just like each of them talking about, you know, their their different situations and stuff. <clears throat> and and uh, it's it's about an hour, almost an hour and a half, not quite an hour and a half. So, um, so. Now, next week, I know, is Roberto La Diabla, so we'll have to watch that at some point next week. Um, yes. And, and by the way, Anna, next week is my last week of having my nights free because I'm on the late shift. Oh, no way. Yeah. I'm on, 12 to, I'm on the uh, 1 to 10 shift. My permanent schedule, my permanent schedule kicks in uh, the week of Thanksgiving. Oh, Nelly! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, so we'll have to, so we'll, we'll, we'll work around, work around it. Um, but, uh, I, I did find a, I did find a version of Romero Diablo. It's from 1985. And the opening credits are very 1980s. <laughs> Yo. So we'll watch that. And it does have subtitles. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, if you, that looks like, it looks pretty good. Cool. It looks pretty good. 
Um, and I can't, you know, we'll, you and I will have to sit down and watch that some, some night. And it, 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 it sounds like it's going to be interesting. Like just from the trailer alone, it sounds like it's going to be good. Yeah. Um, so, um, we'll, I'll link that in the Facebook page for you guys. Um, and, uh, that, yeah, I, yeah, that, that looks, that looks really good. And, and, and I like that it's, it's a different take on the, uh, the, the characters, the different characters. And yeah, I like, I like that idea. Mm -hmm. And it's like giving them a new, giving it, giving us a new perspective of their character. I still want Despina to fuck off. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be nice. I hope they I hope they tell her to fuck off by the end of the by the end of it. Um, but no, you fuck off. Yeah. I want Carmen to overthrow her as leader. <laughs> we'll be we'll be chanting during the whole thing. Carmen, Carmen. Carmen, Carmen, Carmen. <laughs> uh so so um so there's that. There's the Dead Diva Society. And the last thing I want to talk about is I saw a sneak peek of uh, Teatro San Carlos Tello, like the setting of it. And I read an article about, you know, the, the, what the director's vision is for it. And because it's a new production, it's not like, it's not like the Yesos. And it's not, and, and unfortunately, it's not like, the scared and horny London version. The um, <laughs> scared and horny London version. <laughs> that would never be not funny. The, the horny jump version. Um, it's 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 not like those two. It's set instead of it being set in Venice. Uh, it's set in the Middle East. It's like a, they brought it into the modern era. Instead of setting it in Venice, they've set it in the Middle East, and it's like during a war. And there's a picture of Jonas and Maria Agresta in the, you know, doing their duet and they're dressed in fatigues, like military fatigues. Um, so there's the different take on it already. And the uh, director, Michele Mortone, has said that he's, he's put more of a focus on Desdemona in this. Because, like, yeah, the, the focus before, you know, in other productions has been more on Otello or Iago. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. But he's going to put like more focus on Desdemona. I'm curious as to how he's going to do that because she, the only the only act where she's like focus she's the focus of it is act four she's only in like she's only in like one scene in act one the end 
She's in roughly half of Act 2. She's in roughly half of Act 3. And then she's all of Act 4. Except for the, except for the very end. So I'm curious as to how she's going to... I mean, technically she she's in Act 4. She's just not saying anything. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. She hella dead. She, yeah, she, she hella dead. Um, but I can't, I, I, yeah, I am, I am very curious. And I, I honestly, I asked in my, in our, in the JK group that we're, the Venice group that we're in, I asked, uh, if anyone knew for sure whether Teatro San Carlo was going to, uh, excuse me, was going to, um, have that, was going to stream that on opening night, which is the 21st next Sunday. Um, I hope they do. I really hope they do because I'm, I'm all for that. I want to see that, you know, I want to see how he does. Um, cause he hasn't sung a tello. Oh, he hasn't really sung a tello in, he recorded that into that. He recorded it in 2019. So he hasn't, so he hasn't really sung it in two years. Um, since he recorded it for that for that album for that double album so I'm curious to see how he does with that because um, he said that's one of the darker roles that it's harder for him to get out of character um, and it's one of those roles that you don't want to go too deep into character because there's you there's always that fine line where you, you could lose control uh, and go too far kind of like Jared Leto Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't want to go. It's like my good bitch, can you don't? Yeah, he's he doesn't want to go all Jaredito on people. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't blame him. Oh, God. Um. Anyway, yeah, I'm 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 really curious. It it sounds good on paper. Like in, you know, in his head, I'm sure it sounds good in his head and the way he describes it sounds really interesting. So I'm, 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 ho I hope it works out, you know, on stage. Um, so let's hope that, that, uh, Teatro San Carlos dreams that. Um, so speaking of upcoming Jonas productions, uh, today are finally, we're getting to, we're getting to the, uh, opera, uh, this week. Today's, uh, focus is Benjamin Britten's Peter Grimes. And this is, this is one of the, this is a 20th century, uh, opera. It was written in the forties. Um, even though it, it, it just, it, and it's just amazing. And it's in English. You know, it, it's one of those few that we've talked about that's in English. Um, so, uh, Anna, go ahead and read the, uh, roles. Okay, so we have um, Peter Grimes, a fisherman, who's a tenor, Ellen Orford, who's a widow and the borough schoolmistress, who's a soprano, Auntie, who's the landlady of the boar and who's a contralto, niece one and two, who are sopranos and are definitely not her fucking nieces. Oh, no. Balstra. That's like saying that... She's their aunt in the same way that Miss Kitty was a bartender. Yeah. 
<laughs> but there's Balstrode, the retired retired merchant skipper, who's a baritone. Mrs. Sedley, a rentier widow, who's a mezzo soprano. Swallow, a lawyer, who's a bass. Ned Keen, apothecary. It says apothecary and quack. <laughs> Baritone. Bob Bowles, fisherman and Methodist, who I fucking hate. I Ugh. hate that character so much. He can die in a fucking fire. Ugh. And he's a tenor. Mm-hmm. Reverend Horace Adams, the rector, who hardly knew her, uh, who's a tenor. <laughs> Hobson, the carrier, who's a bass. And then John Grimes' apprentice, who's a silent role. Okay. So, um, as for the history on this, this was written, of course, by Benjamin Britten with a libretto by Montague Slater. And it's based on the poem Peter Grimes from George Crabbe's book, The Burrow. And it debuted June 7th, 1945 at Sadler's Wells Theatre in London. And the fun fact is the opera was conceived while Britain and his partner, Peter Pierce, were living in Florida, California. I almost said Florida. Um, California. California. Okay, so in 1941, shortly after the first performance of his opera, Paul Bunyan, Britain and his partner, Peter Pierce, went to stay in Escondido, California. There they read the poem by Crabbe and were struck by it. Britain, being a native of Suffolk, strongly identified with the tragic story of the Alderberg fisherman, Peter Grimes. Because uh, where uh, uh, where Britain lived was Alderberg, which is on the east coast in England. And it's like, it, it is a fishing village. And in fact, a few years ago, um, a production of Peter Grimes was was uh, was put on on the beach at Alderberg. I think that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, it says uh, it says the opera was con- first conceived while Britain was in California. Happening to read Ian Forster's article on the 18th century Suffolk poet George Crabb in the BBC's magazine The Listener, he went. He was straight away filled with nostalgic feelings about Suffolk. Pierce found a, cra- a copy of Crabb's works in a secondhand bookshop, bookshop, and Britain read the poem The Burrow, which contained the tragic story of the Alderberg fisherman Peter Grimes. He said later, in a flash, I realized two things, that I must write an opera and where I belong. And then, and then soon after that, they returned, they went back to England. Um, so it said, uh, Britain and Pierce both had a strong hand in drafting the story. And in this process, the character of Grimes became far more complex. Uh, rather than being the clear-cut villain he is in Crabbe's version, he became a victim of both cruel fate and society, while retaining darker aspects in his character. It is left to the audience to decide if which version is more true and to see how clear-cut or ambiguous the various characters are. So, <clears throat> so, you know, whether you believe it or not that he, that he did what he's supposed to have done, that's up to you. That's up to the audience to decide. He, he, uh, they made it intentionally vague. I think that's cool. I love that. Like it doesn't always work as a device as a storytelling device, but in this case, it it works really really well. Oh yeah, 
All right, so uh, let us get on to the synopsis. Okay, so Prologue, a Suffolk coastal village, mid-19th century. Says the date is not specified, but the foghorn in Act 3 places it later than the date of Crabbe's poem. Peter Grimes is questioned at an inquest over the death at sea of his apprentice. The townsfolk, all present and douchebags, make it clear that they think Grimes is guilty and deserving of punishment. Although the coroner, Mr. Swallow, determines the boy's death to be accidental and clears Grimes without a proper trial, he advises Grimes not to get another apprentice, a proposal against which Grimes vigorously protests, which, you know, understandably so. Um, Being a fisherman back then could not be done as a one-person job. Uh, As the court is cleared, Ellen Orford, the schoolmistress who Grimes wishes to marry as soon as he gains the borough's respect, attempts to comfort Grimes as he rages against what he sees as the community's unwillingness to give him a true second chance. Okay. Mm. Act one, some days later. For, at, after the first orchestral interlude, titled in the 4 seat interlude's concert version, Dawn, the chorus, who constitute the borough, sing of their weary daily round and their relationship with the sea and seasons. Grimes calls for help to haul his boat ashore, but is shunned by most of the community. Belatedly, retired skipper Balstrode and the apothecary Ned Keane assist Grimes by turning to the capstan. Keaton tells Grimes that he has found him a new apprentice named Don from the workhouse. <clears throat> Nobody will volunteer to fetch the boy until Ellen offers. The sto- as a, sto- a storm approaches, most of the community, after securing windows and equipment, takes shelter in the pub. Grimes stays out along with Balstrode, uh, and along with Balstrode confesses his ambitions to make his fortune with a good catch buy a good home and marry Ellen Orford. Balstrode suggests, without your booty, you will have... Wait, wait. Without your booty, Ellen will have you now. Only to provoke Grimes' furious no, not for pity. Balstrode abandons Grimes to the storm as the latter ruminates what harbor shelters peace. The storm then breaks with a vengeance. In the pub, tensions are rising due to both the storm and the fiery Methodist fisherman, Bob Bowles, what a bastard, getting increasingly that drunk. fucking yeah. asshole. Getting increasingly drunk and lecherous after the pub's main attraction, the two nieces. Grimes nieces, sub- my ass. Them hookers. Yeah. <laughs> Grimes suddenly enters, and his wild appearance unites the mo- entire community in their fear and mistrust of his temper. Ned Keen saves the situation by starting a round, uh, uh, just, as around, just as the round reaches a climax, Ellen arrives with the apprentice, both drenched. Grimes immediately sets off with the apprentice to his hut, despite the terrible storm. Okay. Act 3, the same some weeks later. On Sunday morning, the third orchestral interlude, while most of the borough is at church... Ellen talks with John, the apprentice. She is horrified when she finds a bruise on his neck. When she confronts Grimes about it, he brusquely claims that it was an accident. And growing agitated at her mounting concern and interference, he strikes her and runs off with the boy. 
This does not go unseen. First Keen, Auntie, and Bob Bowles then the chorus comment on what happened, the latter developing into a mob to investigate Grimes' hut. As the men march off, Ellen, Auntie, and the nieces sing sadly of the relationship of women with men. The fourth interlude, Pasacaglia, follows as the scene changes. At the hut, Grimes impatiently drives the ever-silent John into changing out of his Sunday clothes and into fisherman's gear, and then becomes lost in his memories of the, his previous, now-dead apprentice relieving the, bo relieving the boy's death of thirst. When he hears the mob of villagers approaching, he def he quickly comes back to reality, stirred by both a paranoid belief that John has been gossiping with Ellen, so provoking the odd procession, and at the same time feeling de defiant. He gets ready to set out to sea, and tells John to be careful climbing down the cliff to his boat. But to no avail. The boy falls to his death. When the mob reaches the hut, Grimes is gone, and they find nothing out of order, so they disperse. <clears throat> the same. That sucks balls for him. Yeah. Act three. The same, two days later, nighttime in the burrow, or moonlight in the sea interludes. While a dance is going on, Mrs. Sedley tries to convince the authorities that Grimes is a murderer, but to no avail. Ellen and Captain Balstrode confide in each other. Grimes has disappeared, and Balstrode has discovered a jersey wash sore, a jersey that Ellen recognizes as one she knitted for John. Oh, excuse me. Mrs. Sedley overhears this, and with the knowledge that Grimes has returned, my gosh, excuse me, she's able to investigate another and instigate another mob. Seeing him who despises us will destroy. The villagers go off in search of Grimes. The sixth interlude, not included in the sea interludes, covers the change of scene. While the chorus can be heard searching for him, Grimes appears on stage, singing a long monologue sparsely accompanied by cries from the offstage chorus and a foghorn represented by a solo tuba. John's death has seemingly shattered Grimes' sanity. Ellen and Balstrode find him, and the old captain encourages Grimes to take his boat out to sea and sink it. Grimes leaves. The next morning, the burrow begins its day anew, as if nothing has happened. There was a report from the Coast Guard of a, of a ship sinking off the coast. This is dismissed by Auntie as one of those rumors. Auntie can go... Well, first things first, Auntie can go fuck herself. Yeah, and and the town can go fuck itself. The entire town. Yes, the, yeah. yeah, the whole ass town is a bunch of bitch ass motherfuckers. We yeah, we 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 came to that conclusion the first time we watched this. This town yeah. is a bunch of motherfuckers. Okay. I almost I'm not gonna lie, I almost could not finish this opera because I was so pissed. Yeah. At how they were treating him. Mm-hmm. Like I was so fucking pissed. Oh yeah, it, it it nerves were struck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they and and you could see like, and the the version we saw was the Met version, and it was Anthony Dean Griffey as Peter was Grimes. Excellent. Yes, he is. That's his like signature role right there. That is his signature role as Peter Grimes, and uh, and Patricia Patricia Rossette as Ellen Orford. She was wonderful in that. Um, oh, God. Patricia Rossette is always a delight to watch. She is. So, uh, so you could see, like, he was getting really at, you know, his character, 
was getting really agitated. The like the more that they put that the town pushed, the more he agitated he got, until he even he even snapped at Ellen, and went off. And uh, that that just you know that just led to unfortunately to his his new apprentice you know falling to his death. Um, the let me see here. Sedley can fuck herself too while we're at it. Oh God! Oh my God! Oh, that like, woman. just so many people can go fuck themselves in this opera. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. So it was. So it was. Uh, yeah, it was Anthony Dean Griffey and Patricia Rossette, and it was Donald Runnicles conducting at the Met. Donald <laughs> Runnicles. I like him as a conductor. His he, conducting's awesome. I like. I like him too. Yeah, he he and he actually conducted Jonas's uh, Wagner album that he did. Um, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Jonas did a, did a collection of different Wagner songs, and uh, yeah, Bitch Lasagna the album. Yeah, Bitch Lasagna the album. Jonas did that, and Donald Runkles was con- uh, conducted it. Um, yeah, that that yeah, he he was great at that. Putting the bitch in bitch lasagna. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't find, like, they. there's no, like, recording of, um, of, um, the, uh, Vienna version. Because I, because, uh, there's a, it looks like a, it looks like somebody from the audience recorded it. Um, that I've yeah. watched. <laughs> yeah. That I've watched. I think it's from... Oh, because it, it's a it's a revival. It's I know I know it's it's the ver it's the production that Jonas is going to be in in January and February, um, when he when he takes over the role, and uh, it's so it's a revival of that, and he's of course is Peter Grimes and Lisa Davidson is going to be Ellen Orford. That's going to be good. That is going to be good. And it's funny because Lisa Davidson is actually a lot taller than him. Lols. <laughs> I think that's funny. I've seen a picture. I've seen a still shot uh, from Fidelio uh, of uh, of the two of them standing together side by side, and she is she is taller than him. She's not even in heels. She's in boots, and she's taller than him. Lols. <laughs> And Jonas is, Jonas is like what six feet tall. Yeah, <laughs> so. him's a tall ass mofo. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it, I mean, and and this is going to be Jonas's English language debut. Okay, he's he sung, he sang uh, uh, an English version of Carl uh, Maria von Weber's Oberon. He sang an English language version of that but really he's never really been in a an actual production of an opera where he's saying in english so this is gonna be his english language debut and i am psyched for it i can't wait to see to see this um i hope i hope the i hope the ween streams it i really do i want the ween to stream this um you're also wanting peanut the ween let's not uh, let's not well, unfortunately, I unfortunately, as I watched 
this version, you know, that, that the other... There's no opportunity. There's no opportunity for Peanut to win, unfortunately. But, I mean, there really shouldn't have been an opportunity with Carmen, and there was Peen. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. Like, uh, that was some unnecessary Peenzors. That was, that was, that was, yeah, that was unnecessarily Peenor. Right there. Oh, my gosh. Whew. Yep. Oh, unnecessary peen in Carmen. Oh my God. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. This, this. Um, him Nikki, him cult. Yeah, him <laughs> Nikki, him cult. <laughs> so back to why the villagers can fuck themselves. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this is, I like this. this. I I liked, I love this opera. I think, uh, I, I think if we watch more, a few more Benjamin Britten operas, I think, you know, we'll see like a full range of, of what, of what he was, what he did. Like I, I've, we've seen Billy Budd cause we're going to, we're going to talk about that. Uh, I think. Oh God. I, mm. yeah, we're going to talk about Billy Budd. Uh, Why yeah. does everyone in his operas need to go fuck themselves? I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, legit, everyone in Benjamin Britten's operas basically need to go fuck themselves. <laughs> oh. Seriously. Seriously. Um, <laughs> I Maybe it's, maybe it's like... Maybe it's like his way of telling, you know, like homophobic society to go fuck themselves. You never know. Uh, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, which, which I will mention because because it is because yeah, this is this is the first time we were talking about a bedroom Britain opera. Um, when we watched uh, when we watched this production at the Met, they they had. They talked about um, uh, the uh, how his house in Alderberg, which is a museum, and how he's buried in Alderberg, and what he died. I think he died in seventy three, and then Peter Pierce died in eighty three, and they buried Peter Pierce next to him, which you know, it didn't have to be said. There was no. It was un it was unspoken, but they knew that they were together. They were a couple, and back they then, together. yeah. And back then, think about it was this. illegal. Yeah, it was illegal for the longest time in England. Mm-hmm. Homosexuality was illegal. Think about what happened to Alan Turing. Oh God, you know, mm. yeah. Or I mean, even Oscar Wilde too. Yeah. 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 It, and how Benjamin Britten just lived his life the way he wanted to and didn't give a shit. You know, he gave no fucks. And because. No I, fucks I, were given. Yeah. And it was and, glorious. And he, you know, he, he, he flouted the law. And he. And they, got away with it, which is fucking badass when you think about it. Yeah. He, they, he and Peter Pierce got got away with it for 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 a long time for till 1973, 
and bless them for that too. Bless them for that. Yeah. Seriously. Fuck yeah. Um. So yeah, they and and like think about this in 1983. Even back then, you know, it was kind of it was taboo. You know, being homosexual was taboo. So to have to have them buried next to each other, I thought that that that's another badass thing. That the that they allowed them to be buried next to each other. So, so kudos. I would venture to say that the only place that it didn't seem to be too taboo was in the theater. Yeah, and that could be why. Yeah, nobody bothered. And I I say that only because I know everyone knew, and this was back in the sixties as well. Everyone knew that Lewis Edmonds from Dark Shadows was gay. Mm-hmm. that played Roger Collins on the show and nobody gave a rat's fucking ass nope they, they let him be mm-hmm. and, and like again and even though he was more quietly out again Jonathan Fred who was Barnabas Collins mm-hmm. everyone let him be yep except the teenage girls that were in love with Barnabas Collins but um you know they that was less people being homophobic and more teenage girls not realizing and not having a functioning gaydar. Yeah. But yeah, it, yeah. But yeah, yeah, so I I think it was considered more acceptable to be out in the arts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. But, but still it, it was illegal for a good length of time there. Mm -hmm. So for them to have, not only not been arrested for it, but their love acknowledged yeah. the way it was. Mm-hmm. That's pretty fucking big. Yeah, it was. Um, so yeah, so kudos. And to I've it. seen pictures of I've seen pictures of Peter Pierce. Benjamin Britten had some damn good taste. He did. He did. And he and, 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 and actually like and conversely, Peter Pierce had good taste too. Benjamin Britten wasn't all that bad to look at either. No, he wasn't. Uh, I mean, they they were a good match. They were a really good match. Yeah. Um, and it it was, and if you if you think about it, like a lot of these uh, operas that Benjamin Britten wrote, the part, the tenor parts, were written for Peter Pierce. He wrote them yeah. for his for his partner, and in fact, like he wrote the seven sonnets of of Michelangelo. Uh, were written for Peter Pierce to sing. I thought I think that's wonderful too. Um, yeah, I've heard I've heard noticing though. I think I think he hinted, he hinted that he was that they might record he might record that Britain Seven Sons of Michelangelo. Oh, that would be lovely. Yes, and uh, I think he also hinted that he was going to record Bischtelieber. Schumann's Liebe that he <laughs> the, yeah but uh, that's the one that's the one that he sang uh, last April I think it was last April in a very empty Bayerische Staatsoper the a very empty stage of the, the Staatsoper and he said a very empty stage it sounds like an Eric Carl book yeah <laughs> Oh, 
Um, but he was, but I remember him saying, without the audience, you know, it, it's not the same. He, you know, singing is not the same without an audience. I remember him saying that. And that was like about, that was about two months after he gotten over COVID too. Um, so he's, and he sounded really good. Um, for, 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 he said, cause he had, cause I remember he said he had a murderous cough and a very, very high fever. He said, I probably sounded like me. Um, so yeah, I, I, I still hate, the, I still hate the fact that Jonas and I have that fact, we have that in common, the Rona in common. That's not something you want to have in common with somebody you, with, with, uh, the love of your life. <laughs> connects you to Corona. Not the, not the beer. Uh, I mean, sometimes the beer. Yeah. <laughs> you do live in Ohio after all. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it, it, it has to be the beer at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Odd. Uh, so, um, yeah, the, so don't, so, you know, don't sleep on this. And Anthony Dean Griffey, I, I will say this. Oh, good God. His he, voice. He, he's amazing. He was I don't think... Of, I honestly don't think I would have been half as pissed off during the opera if he hadn't managed to make Grimes so sympathetic. Oh, yeah. Um, I... I he, uh, he senses his... I think he retired from the stage. He's... he's I think he's a... Uh, He's living his best life. Yes, he's he's working at a uh, a uh, college, a university college of music. I think he is. Yo. Yeah. Um. He'd make an excellent teacher. I could see him doing very very well at that. Oh yeah, I think he, I think he's the dean of the of the music school there. I think he is. Wait, let me <laughs> see. Irony. Let me see here. I think he is. Uh, and by the way, Anna has adopted him as her large adult son. He's he's my oldest large adult opera son. Yes. Um, let's see here. Uh, I believe. Yeah, I think it's Wingate University. I think he. Yeah, I think he was presented with an honorary doctor of humane letters from his alma mater, Wingate University. I believe that's where he is. Uh. That's where what he's doing Teacher. now, yeah. Aw, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, uh, no, no, it, it's here. It's it's is uh, in 2015 he was appointed as professor of voice at the Eastman School of Music. So that's where cool beans. Which the Eastman School of Music is in Rochester, New York. It's it's the it's the music school of the University of Rochester in New York. Fancy, yes. So, so I'm such a proud mom. Yes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's, that's what Anthony Dean Griffin, Griffin is doing. And it's funny because when I, this was early on, this was like early on in that, in that, um, in us watching, uh, our, and doing our live tweets that we saw Peter Grimes and I had live tweeted, Oh, look, you know, Peter Grimes is coming up. Just catch us later. And he liked the tweet. Yo, I remember that because I screenshot it and said, "And like, look, Anna, oh my god, he liked it." 
And I, I remember my exact response to her was, I am so glad that I've been nice to the character this whole time and have just been cussing out everyone else yeah. in the opera, because this could have gotten very awkward very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Because I'm pretty sure he then found mine as well. Yeah. Well, remember when Peter, what, remember when uh, Roberto Alonso, like, <laughs> and I about fainted? Because, again, it was a case of, boy, am I glad I've been nice. <laughs> <laughs> well then again Jonas has liked a couple of my Jonas liked the one I made of, the picture I made of him about the coffee the coffee <laughs> that amused him <laughs> yay coffee oh my god so uh so that's our thoughts on Peter Grimes. And I think I, I, I would have to say, and I, I think you'll agree, Anna, that, that, that this upcoming uh, Vienna production is, is going to be something it's like, it's going to be something to, it's going to be something to watch. Yeah, it is. I definitely agree. Um, so I hope, I hope they do with it. Like they did with, um, with um, Adriana LeCouvreur. Which is what, which is have it seen for a few days so that you and I can watch it. Yes, that would be lovely. Yes. And I also hope that, uh, like, maybe next Sunday, I, I, I hope we hear something in the next week. Oh my God. It's, it's either the pepperoni or the Diet Coke that's giving me, that's <laughs> making me burp today. Oh hey, God. at least it's a burp and, you know. Well, see, I don't want to. I don't want to like openly burp on 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 the uh, on the podcast because then I'd be, or, or or of course I could do that as an homage to my to the. How uh, many times have I openly burped on the podcast? That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, well, how many times have you open? Well, then again, you did fall asleep once. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's been belching, there's been farting, there's been falling asleep, there's been. <laughs> Coughing attacks. I'm pretty sure we both sneezed a couple of times. Yep. <laughs> like the only thing we haven't done is broadcast live from the bathroom at this point. <laughs> what is it? No, no, I'm out. not doing the thing. I refuse. <laughs> I was going to say, don't, don't even. Like, we have some class, folks. Not a lot, but enough. <laughs> oh. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that that would probably be, burping openly for me would be an homage to to the, the guys I used to host a podcast with. <laughs> Yo! Hey, they, they prepared you for this, so, I mean, do the thing. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm going. No, now I feel like I have to burp. Damn it! <laughs> Go ahead. Look what you've done. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> burp. That was a wimpy one, though. Oh man! I, I have dishonored my house <laughs> <laughs> and your cow. <laughs> oh, Bessie Moo's never had any. Hasn't had honor for ten years. <laughs> Bessie Moo's ever going to have on her ever again. 
She's been disgraced. <laughs> for far too long. Yeah, for far too long. <laughs> she wore white after Labor Day, and it was all over after that. Ah! <laughs> that trollop. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> so, as we were saying, um, so we, we can't wait to see, uh, the, uh, the uh, production of Peter Grimes from the Ween, um, Ween, Ween, and like I and like I, as I said, I hope in the next week I get to uh, I get so we get some information on uh, Octello from Teatro San Carlo because hopefully if it if it streams next Sunday at a decent time, maybe uh, you and I can watch that too. Together. I'd be down. Yeah. Um. Because that would be, because I think opening night at uh, at Teatro San Carlo, they like they'll sing the the Italian national opera and stuff. Uh, Italian national anthem. Italian national anthem. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, kind of the same thing. Yeah, they'll sing the Italian national anthem at uh, the Italian national opera. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one of the Italian national operas. Um, yeah, they so. Uh, so I yeah, like I said, I hope they I hope I get here's some information on that in the next week or so, because that would be amazing. I I really want to see that uh, and see how that plays out. Um, and they need to stream. Wait, you said when did you say Jonas is taking over as Peter Grimes? February? Uh, late January. If, if it's late January. I have it written down. Oh my god, let me see here. I was going to say, because, you know, their offering and, tri and or tribute for your birthday could be streaming it. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> no, I have it written down in my, in my, in my planner. I, I did that. Echo. Like, that could be their fucking offering or fucking tribute. Yeah, there we go. Echo, turn on the light. I just, I, I did, that, that is, that is my, uh, the wake word for my Echo, for my, uh, Amazon Echo Dot. Mm -hmm. is echo let's see january um what did i i'm trying to remember what did we keep doing that caused it when i was visiting that caused it to keep turning on because um, it kept turning on during parsifal and i forget what we i forget what we just kept doing. dying because it was it was hilarious it, it was something that was that was literally considered stupid funny i forget but i know at one point we told it to fart and it did yeah. Because <laughs> we're mature adults. Yeah. Who do not abuse the privilege of having an echo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it starts, so opening night for Peter Grimes uh, in Indiana is the 26th of January. And it runs through, he's, he's got five, one, two, three, four, five. He has five dates. In you know, for this, and he and the last one is the eighth of February. So that's an early birthday offering from the Ween for me. They need they need to make sure that it's a proper offering. Yes, which means streamed. Streamed, yes, because that because that last date is uh, thirteen days before my birthday. Mm. Yeah, so they need to uh, so they get, need to give me a proper offering for my birthday, which means they need to stream it. Yep. 
yep my god i yeah there's a concert today yeah he starts the naples atella opening night yep one two three he does four five he does five dates he does, he, he'll do five dates in, in naples for atello and then he starts his uh christmas tour yay christmas yes one, two, three, four, five, six. He has six. He has six uh, concerts, six Christmas concerts in the span of uh, ten days. So holy jeebus! Yeah, he's gonna be in Mannheim. He starts in Mannheim on the twelfth, goes to Munich on the fourteenth, London on the sixteenth, Dusseldorf on the eighteenth, and then Han Hanover in. On the twentieth in Vienna on the twenty second. Be busy boy. Him's gonna be busy boy. Him's gonna be tired. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna need that week between uh between Christmas and New Year's to, to rest up. Of course having a, having a two and a half year old at Christmas time. Oh, there, there, there's no sleeping. <laughs> no sleep till preschool. Yeah. <laughs> or Brooklyn, one of the two. Oh my god. Yeah. He's... <laughs> oh. My I can just see you face calming right now. Oh. <laughs> This is what she has to deal with on a regular basis for me, folks. Uh, and we've been besties for, like, what? 12 years. Oh, God. 12 years. Over that. Yeah, 12 years. Since, since I think, what, 2008? Yeah. 13 years. Yeah. 13, 13 years. 13 years. Holy balls. Since, since, the, inaug since the 2008 inaugural, uh, since the 2008 election, the presidential yes. election. Yeah. Since Obama was elected the first time, that's how long we've been friends. Yes. Obama brings, you know, creates friendships. Yeah. <laughs> and some good-ass memes. Yes. So, so thanks, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think you, it's you, you, B, Vicky, and Emma are the four friends of mine. I made surrounding the election, that election. And we've been to, we've been friends ever since then. 12 years. 13 years, I should say. That is amazing. That is amazing. And you are one of my, you are one of my besties. I, I, I always say, I always call you one of my best friends. So. Aw, shucks. You're one of my besties too. Aw. All right. And that, and that's and that's why you know, and that's why we got along so well and that's why we were able to do this podcast. We are besties. Yeah. And and very and oftentimes mind twins. Yes. Yeah. So mm. now that we've wrapped it, so now that we've wrapped up Peter Grimes, let's give let's shout out the fuck boy of the opera. Who's the entire fucking town? Yeah. Says the entire fucking town, fuck all of them. Yes. That's what I wrote on there. Fuck all of them. Mm -hmm. That's what I wrote. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, 
next week, guys, um, we're going to talk about uh, the opera Robert Le Diable. And it's not just the opera that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about its composer, Giacomo Meyerbeer. And we're going to talk about the, the absolute horseshit that was done to him. Yeah. Yeah. It is absolute horse shit that he was, that he was, that his career tanked. Seriously. You, you probably have never heard of Giacomo Meyerbeer. It's bitch, lo- it's bitch lasagna's fault. Yes. It was entirely bitch lasagna's fault. Um, <clears throat> you've probably never heard of Meyerbeer because of bitch lasagna. Yeah. It's entirely his fucking fault. And you will find out why next week. Because we are not, we will not. We were not going to let this die. We, we, we ah. So, yeah. So tune in next week for that. Um, and as always, guys, we thank you for tuning in and listening to us. Um, because we love you guys. We and we. Yes, we do. We love yeah. you all. Yes, and we thank you for for um, giving us this. Uh, you know, allowing us to come into your homes every every week. Or come and invade your ear holes and and you know give you give you BS and maybe educate you a little bit uh, <laughs> and peen jokes <clears throat> yeah peen jokes and BS bullshit and and stories and <laughs> but um, yeah we thank you guys for for uh, for supporting us all this time um, don't forget to tune into your favorite platform. <clears throat> to uh, listen to us. Um, like I told Rachel, she is, is it pretty much everywhere where you can find a podcast? I said, yeah, it's even on iTunes. Um, yeah. Don't forget to listen to us there. Go, go find our page, the Facebook page and like us there. Um, I'll put a link to uh, the, uh, the trailer for dead diva society on there. Um, <clears throat> and I will also uh, put up the pic, the uh, screenshot I took, of Anthony Dean Griffey liking my tweet. <laughs> <laughs> I took that for pos- pos- uh, for posterity. Uh, pros- no, posterity. Posterity. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <clears throat> nap time. <laughs> yeah, nap time. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I will, uh, I will put that up on the, on the, uh, on the Facebook page. And, uh, I did put up, I think, I think I did put up already. There's a link that I put on there of the original poem by George Crabbe, uh, the Peter of Grimes poem that the opera is based on. So there, so you can read that and see how different it is than the, uh, <clears throat> the actual story that Benjamin Britten and Peter Pierce came up with. Um, so, there's that, and also uh, we have a we have, there are constant sales going on. Like every week this month, there is we, they're having a sale on T Public on their on their shop. So if you are so inclined, um, because the holidays are coming up and because there are shipping delays, I would recommend that you go and buy your holiday shit now. And, um, and go, uh, and get it shipped off now while it's on sale and while it's early, 
because you don't want to get caught in their shipping delays as the yeah. as it gets closer to Christmas and as it gets closer, you know, to the end of the year. You don't want to get caught in their shipping delays because you don't know how late your par- your presents are going to get to your house or to your friends. So I'm just saying, like, I, I have to tell people who there are people who insist on getting like an actual paper copy of their applications. And I have to tell them it could take up to two weeks to get that. You know, it, it just, that's because the mail has been so slow. Uh, but you know, so be aware, be aware of shipping delays. I mean, there's shipping delays everywhere. So, but the t-shirts are, everything is up to 35% off the t-shirts, t-shirts, $13 um, and there's all kinds of stuff you can get. The stickers, the magnets the, the notebooks the tote bags um, you can get pillows get uh, your, you get hoodies and and your masks uh, please get your masks uh, I mean that, please yes. I, I, I got a text this morning early this, early this morning it woke me up it fucking woke me up. I thought it was you with an emer- in an emergency. I'm like, oh my god, because I see the little the little text notification in the corner on my phone. I'm like, oh my god, is Anna okay? I I, I scroll it. I open it up, and it's from uh, it's from the from Drug Mart saying, hey, it's time for your COVID booster. <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> so. So, uh, get your COVID booster. Get yourself vaccinated. Don't be like Aaron Rodgers, for fuck's sake. Oh my yeah. God. Oh, my God. Uh, I hope he's happy with his COVID symptoms and his poor taste. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Speaking as somebody who's had COVID, I hope you're happy. <laughs> you bastard. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, uh, so, you know, you can, so there's all kinds of stuff that you can get on our key public shop. Everything is on sale right now. Do it early. Get your, get your holiday, get your present, get your gifts, uh, in, you know, shopped for early. That's what I recommend. Don't wait for Black Friday. You know, Black Friday anymore is overrated because it's just so commercialized and so bleh. So just get while we have these early sales, get your stuff, get it shipped off. Say Merry Early Christmas. I just wanted to make sure you got your present in time. Nobody's gonna care, really. So just yeah, just and buy our shit, support us because you know we love you, and we're broke. We're broke bitches. Yeah, we're broke bitches. So we broke bitches. Yeah. So, next week is Roberto Le Diablo um, and the and the unfortunate history of Jacqueline Meyerbeer. Thank you, bitch lasagna, for being a dick. <laughs> uh, so, tune in next week, and guys, as always, stay trashy, opera fans. Stay trashy, opera fans. We love you, and we'll talk to you next we week. We love you all. Bye-bye. Bye.